I'll make my prayer. We'll go into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come before you. And Lord, I just ask now that you speak to all our hearts. Father, you help me to have a fresh unction from on high. You give me clarity of thought and mind, of speech and of action, Father. And I pray you just bless the service. Father, work in hearts and help us, Father, just to rejoice in what we have in you, what we have in our Savior and what we have in the other believers. Father, and we just pray you'd work in our hearts today. Again, if someone here doesn't know Christ, we pray today could be the day of salvation for them. And Father, you'd help us, Father, to, to understand today that which we need to put the most emphasis on, Father, during this season of our lives and of this year. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 2. So he said, this is Christmas, a sign unto you. And uh, today is the last Sunday before Christmas. Teenagers, are you ready for Christmas? Parents, are you ready for Christmas? Husbands, are you ready for Christmas? You know how many men are shaking their head and going, no, no, okay. I'm just being honest with you, I'm not ready either. Okay. I've been saved a lot because uh, things I've bought from my wife. Judy, I just, this is how this works. I don't know if that's the way in most families, but she shops for everybody, and I shop for her. Okay? And that's just, you know, and she, I know what they're getting. She showed them to me before they got wrapped. But Carla's wrapped everything I've gotten from my wife. It's not a lot. Okay? She deserves, deserves a lot more. You understand that? If she has to put up with me on a day-to-day -day basis, okay, she deserves a lot more, doesn't she? Okay. So, it, you know, it's those things. But, you know, with that said, that's not truly what Christmas is, is it? Is it? What is, the Christ, what is Christmas supposed to be? A celebration of the Savior's birth. Pastor Kenny mentioned it this morning. Had fun last night. Um, my grandsons have worked very hard helping Papa do different things. Some on their house, some at the, our house and stuff. And so I promised them I was going to do something special with them. And they said, well, no, why don't we just stay here and we'll have a family movie night. Because you know what they hadn't seen before? A Charlie Brown Christmas. So we watched one Christmas movie and then we watched Charlie Brown, and then they watched Charlie Brown's Christmas number two, or whatever it is, and it really wasn't very good, the second one, as far as I'm concerned. It was all about kids and the trappings, but it didn't give a clear statement about Christmas being, unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Okay, so it's supposed to be a celebration of his birth. Got a question. He is the Savior. Amen? Is he your savior? If not, you need to humble yourself before God. You need to admit you're a sinner 
and needing a Savior. As it was mentioned, we had a young man saved a week ago. And I had opportunity. Uh, Gabe had done all the heavy lifting. He had been witnessing to a friend that he used to work with. And he came out for the service. We're praying we'll be able to, before he moves, he's going to be moving um, actually to Maine. I don't know why, but maybe he'll, <laughs> but he's moving to Maine and he'd like some discipleship before he, he goes and stuff. So with that, but the thing is, because of the season that we're going through, he was much more ready to hear. You know, much more ready to hear. And, you know, when we look at this, and I want to ask you, you ready to humble yourselves under the mercy of a almighty God? He's the most high God of heaven and earth. You ready to humble yourself before him? You need to humble yourself to receive God's free gift of salvation, recognizing it's not of you, but of him. And believer, you need to humble yourself on a daily basis, realizing that your life ultimately is not supposed to be about you, but about him. The angel, in speaking to the shepherds, said, This sign, or this shall be a sign unto you. A sign unto you. Okay, you know, we have different people holding up signs. You know, we go to the street corner, we hold up signs, unless you're Mike Viscom, he always brings a sign that's too big for many people to hold up for very long. You know, it's a, what is that, three by five? Metal sign. So we set that up. But we hold signs up. We hold them overhead. We do this or that. You drive down the road, you see signs. Right? It's a sign. It's a mark to pay attention to. It's a symbol. What do we have signs for? What are signs for? They're to draw your attention. To get you to think about. To warn. To direct. Or to catch your thoughts. Look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto who? So that's you and that's me. Amen? A sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He's letting them know very specifically certain things about the birth of the Savior. The birth of the Savior. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, it's spelled I there in other places in the New Testament, it's spelled E. That's the reason we chose that name for this church. When this church was first started with a small group of people, we wanted what? God with us. If you want God with you, you better read the signs. You know, there's signs on the road, and if you don't humble yourself when it says, speed limit, 55 miles an hour. 
and there happens to be a duly appointed representative of the government in a vehicle with lights on it, I know I'm under grace and not under law. And sometimes the only reason I have not gotten a ticket is because that duly appointed officer didn't make me pay the ticket for breaking the law. Ever think about that? Do you know when it says 55 miles an hour, you can be arrested for driving 35 and a 55? Okay. I had a great uncle who had that happen to him. He wanted to go to Rochester. You imagine following somebody who's on 104 heading to Rochester driving 40 miles an hour the whole way. He got pulled over <laughs> and said, sir, if you've got to drive that slow, maybe you should surrender your license. How about every time your speedometer went over 55? Yeah. Okay, so I want you to understand something. You don't follow the sign, something can happen. If it says no right-hand turn on red and you don't follow that, you got a problem. If it says no left-hand turn and you turn, you have a problem. If it says children at play and you speed through, or there is a, a sign that says school zone and you don't slow down, you answer for that, right? Because you didn't read the sign. Isaiah 7:14, a sign given unto you. She wasn't a young woman, as some of the Bibles say. She was a virgin. Amen? Miraculous birth. Unlike Mary's birth. Okay? A sign. You know what happens when we don't obey the signs? We're not willing to humble ourselves unto the authority that gave us the sign. Right? It happens about once a month at least, some government official gets pulled over by a duly appointed representative of the government, of the law, and for breaking it, sometimes in a very egregious manner. We've had senators, congressmen, vice presidents, governors, counties officials, assemblymen, state senators get pulled over for driving some way in a wrong, wrong situation, many times inebriated, many times some other way, right? And they say, don't you know who I am? Right? I'm the mayor of this city. Yes. There's supposed to be equal, equal application of the law. But they don't believe that they need to humble themselves. And they think that they have special position. 
Well, if anyone had special position, it was Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. And it also tells us before honor comes humility. So Christmas, a sign unto you, is a picture of a humble heart. A humble heart. We're going to look at things humble about the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And I want you to look, the Bible's interesting. You don't pay attention to it. It's not like any other book. People say, you know, you know, Pastor Kenny's trying to get you to read your Bible. Well, there's things that take place you don't notice the first time through, or the second time through, or the hundredth time through, or the two hundredth time through, or the two hundred and fiftieth time through. And then you get your, so many concussions that many times, even after 250 times through, it seems all new again. Do you realize, in his humble birth, Jesus' humble birth, there was two groups of seven people. Two groups of seven people, when I count them. Okay, in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, you have some humble people involved with his birth and early life. Now, I'm not talking about the shepherds because they were multiples. It didn't say a shepherd. It said shepherds. So I'm talking about individuals. In Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, these people are basically, they're unknown outside of Scripture. They're unknown outside of Scripture. You ready? You have Zacharias. You have Elizabeth. You have Mary. You have Joseph. You have Simeon. You have Anna. And how about John the Baptist, who was born just before? You see, unknown people mentioned in Luke chapter 3. If you want to look there, I had you open Luke chapter 2. You ready? It says, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, 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 Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and of the region of Trachonitis and Licinius, the tetrarch of Abilene. In Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. You say, why you mention those? Because those were people in authority. You find Caesar Augustus in chapter 2, Caesar Tiberius in chapter 3, so there were people of no reputation who God used mightily to let us learn of the Savior's birth. And then there's those who are known in history outside of the Bible because their lineage can be traced. Historians have given their names, where they served and where they ruled. 
his birth was a humble birth. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Who gets to be there with him? With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isn't that interesting? Those who abase themselves, he shall exalt. You know what the background of the word humble is? Sometimes to help you, you think, you know, well, that's just a humble person. There's some people who are proud in their humility. Oh, I'm just nothing. Please look at me. Because I humbly serve. Please look at me. You know in the background of the word humble? It means it comes from the word humus. Of the earth. I've had people get upset when I say, I am and you are nothing more than an animated dirt ball. That's the truth. Okay? Now, I hope I'm a dirt ball and not a dropping. Now, you understand, some of you know people who are droppings. Right? Yes. Okay. The definition of humble is to abase oneself. To be of a low estate. To mortify, that means to put to death. Lowly in mind. Humble is the opposite of pride. You know something? There's nothing shameful with a lowly start. And there is never for anyone a reason for a lowly finish. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you are lost, undone, without hope, and without God in this world. If you are saved... You're born again into the family of God. Not by corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You are a child of the King. You are accepted in the Beloved. When thy father and mother forsake thee, the Lord will take thee up. You're called kings and priests. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. See, there's no reason for a lowly finish. Just make sure you haven't forgot what you were before you got saved. And realize what you are is because of Him and not because of you. 
think about this. He was born in a stable with animals. I, <laughs> I had fun watching this movie last night with the kids, a cartoon, and it was about the birth of the Savior, about the journey of Mary and Joseph and how that the king, the literal king, the physical king of that time in Judea wanted him dead. And he was the baby and Mary were being hunted. And of course the animals came to the rescue. They, you know, they, they make a mention at the end of the, the cartoon. It was cute, it was funny, it pointed to God's protection of the Savior. And it says, although we've taken great liberty with the, the story, the intent was to follow the desires of what you're supposed to realize, basically. They're animals, okay? A lowly birth. He was born in a stable. Historically, that is not a pole barn. Many people wished it was, okay? He was laid in a manger, a feeding trough. It may have had clean hay in it, but it was a feeding trough. Have you ever seen feeding troughs? Have you ever been into a barn? <laughs> Ray says, Sherry says, the girls say, all the time. You know what? You have to clean it up, don't you? Do you think Mary took time to make it a, a nice, homey place to have a child? It was to get out of the weather. And that's all. So it smelled like cows and donkeys and sheep. If you think a cow smells bad, put sheep inside. They were surrounded. That's about as humbling as it can get. It's cleaner on the side of the road than in a stable. They have to be cleaned all the time. They're full of so much that it makes a very good thing to spread on your field for fertilizer. I want you to understand, that was a humble birth. I don't want my child to be born into the family like I was born, and I want them to have more things. That's the world's attitude. And you know what we've seen with more things? Less love. Less love. Because love is about relationship. So he had a lowly birth because there was no room for him in the world. Right? There was no room in the inn. There was nobody to look at 
a woman who was going to deliver a child at any moment who said, Honey, let's give him our room. No room. Right? Like the Christmas song. No room, just a manger full of hay. No room. The baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes. <laughs> Melanie was carrying <laughs> their little one over, and she put a green-style coat around this, and would you call it a kinny taco? A baby burrito. Okay. I knew I'd get her to say the right thing. All wrapped up. Okay. You say, why is that? He was all wrapped up in his birth. He was all wrapped up right after his death. He didn't finish lowly. He had a humble life. We're going to look at some verses quickly now. Turn to Mark chapter 6. I had someone ask me one time, why do you carry a Bible with all those markers in it? That's because I go to a lot of scripture. I don't get a verse, mention the verse, and never come back to the Bible again like some preachers. Mark chapter 6, look at verse 2. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simeon? See, Mary had other children. And are not his sisters here with us? Brothers and sisters. And they were offended at him. You know, he had a humble birth. We read about it. He came from a poor trade. Look at John chapter 7. When I say a poor trade, I'm talking about the way in this country some of our elite people look down on people who work. John chapter 7, verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having what? He had a worldly, poor education. Look at John chapter 1. There's no pride of his birth. There's no pride of his education. John chapter 1, verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. 
Now Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him who Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Because Nazareth, Nazareth, that'd be like a Bostonian. I can't do accents, so I ought to have one of the Sheltons do it for me. Comparing themselves to somebody from Pittsburgh, or even less than Pittsburgh, Buffalo, or even less than Buffalo, Utica. Amanja manja Utica. Okay? He's in Nazareth. Go to Luke chapter 8. See, he had no pride in his birth, no pride in his education, no pride in his upbringing. Luke chapter 8. Look at verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of, I hope that's Cusa, or looks like Chusa. Aren't you glad some of your parents didn't give you some biblical names? Joanna, the wife of, of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. He had no pride of independence. Isn't that kind of funny? He let them minister to him when he could have just gone, ah, I think I'll have pizza today. If even the winds and the waves obey him, couldn't he have called into existence what he wanted? Truly God? He set that aside. He humbled himself. He showed us, you know what? That we're not independent one of another. He had no pride in independence. Luke 15. Luke 15, verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans. Didn't say republicans. All the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, the elite religious leaders, murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. He had no sanctity of position, he had no social position. Jesus said, I have not called, come to call the righteous, but to repentance. So many times, people are afraid to witness or to be seen with somebody because they don't want to be associated with them. I thank God that's not the way of Emmanuel, the Savior, or this church. There may be no room in the inn for you, but there's room here for you. 
No pride in social position. John 5. John chapter 5. I want you to see what I'm pointing out. There was, in the scriptures, two groups of seven. Those who weren't known and those who had authority. We're looking at his life. And so far, we've looked at it, no pride of birth, no pride of education, no pride of upbringing, no pride of independence, no pride of sanctity, social position. John chapter 5, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. You see, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery be equal of God, but made himself of reputation and took upon him the form of a, and was fashioned as in what? Likeness of a man. He took on the form of servant. It wasn't in his ability alone. He set aside that ability. So all he did came from the Father. Gee, that's six of them. Now here's a big one in America. You ready? Turn to Isaiah 53. Caleb, would you do me a favor? Would you go grab my picture of Christ that hangs over the door? I forgot to bring that in. I was raised in a church for years that made Jesus look like this reddish-brown, light-skinned, blue-eyed Irishman. Should he look like an Italian? <laughs> Teach his own. All right. Teach his own. What do you think he looked like? You ever notice that guys who work with their hands, work outside or do labor, their skin can almost become like leather? Jesus, in his physical birth, was Jewish. Okay? Who hath believed, I report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. That means he wasn't very good looking. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know what people of the world do? 
If they don't like the way they look, they mask it. They change it. That's your Savior. No form, no comeliness. No surgery to make him something that he wasn't. No fancy clothes. Because he didn't come from that lifestyle. There's no pride in his human looks. I've given you seven things about a humble life. A humble life. Isn't it interesting that before God was manifested in the flesh, he was eternal with the Father. There was no birth. Because Jesus is the I am. Isn't it interesting that they say he had no education, but the learned scholars of his day could not answer the questions he asked of them. And he gave them wisdom and they wondered, where did this come from? They thought of him having a lowly birth. But before God became man, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. See, it wasn't the first time Jesus was ever here. It was the first time he was born. Study the background of a priest after the order of Melchizedek king of Salem. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, ask Pastor Kenny. No upbringing. He's God. No independence. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. No social position. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth. If you wonder what I'm speaking of, we'll go there in a moment. Of ability. When a believer trusts in Christ, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. For God's strength is made perfect in my weakness.
in looks. You need to see him out of revelation. Amen? A humble birth. A humble death. I mean a humble life. And last, a humble death. Philippians chapter 2. Because we've made reference to it. Philippians chapter 2. If there be therefore, verse 1, any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, see the comfort always comes from the relationship. If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, that's talking about it being from the inside out, from the depths of your being. Fulfill ye my joy that ye may be, what? Like-minded, having the same, what? Being of one, what? Of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. In other words, it's not me first. It's not if I haven't learned to love myself, I'll never be able to love someone else. But the truth is, I can never truly love myself if I haven't learned to love other people the way God would have me to love them. Let this mind, see, wants the same mind, wants the same heart, Wants it to be about someone other than yourself. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself choice. Made himself choice. Being of one accord is always a choice. Esteeming others better than self is always a choice. Be willing to do something in love is always a choice. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In his humanity he was God, knowing from eternity past, and I use that term because we're finite. We think in terms of time. Eternity has no time. That's why he's the I am. Before Abraham was, I am. When Moses asked him in Exodus chapter 3, who do I say hath sent me, or sent me unto you, unto them? He says, I am 
that I am. But in his humanity, because he was wholly, completely God and wholly, completely man. You say, how is that possible? Beats the fire out of me. There's only one who could do it. That's why his sacrifice was sufficient. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, because we're told through the scriptures in different ways and different verses the same thing. To obey is better than sacrifice. So many people think it's what they give. And God says, no, it's what you obey. Because of that, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He had a humble death. Seven steps in this passage of humility. No reputation. Form of a servant. Likeness of men. Fashioned as a man. Humbled himself. Became obedient. Even obedience unto death of the cross. Seven steps in his humility. Don't you think it had been easier if the angels had trumpeted in the great halls of Rome? Who was ruling the earth at that time? Don't you think it had been easier? if the angels trumpeted in Herod's temple. It wasn't Abraham's, it was Herod's. It was a lesser temple. But that was where the authority was. Don't you think it had been easier for them? Oh, if he had just come and revealed himself in all his glory, then I'd have submitted to him. He came in his Humility in his birth, in his life, in his death. Do you ever think about that? He came from glory to Gethsemane. If it be possible, take this cup from me. He came from heaven and went to hell. For me. He left his father's house to come to Satan's seat. And he left the ivory palaces 
for a stable in Bethlehem. A humble birth, a humble life, a humble death. Honor follows humility. We so many times teach our young people the opposite of that. We teach them, that's my child. Now, you know, my dad, he did a good thing. He told me, you're a Lego. There's no Lego who's stupid. And he says, there's no Lego who's lazy. And there's no Lego that can't do what he put their mind to. So you're my son. Don't let me down. But you know what else he taught me? You better learn to obey or it's going to cost you greatly. Man, I was bigger than my kindergarten teacher. I was bigger than almost all the teachers. The only time I had a teacher bigger than me was Mrs. Chafee. How many ever saw a 6'1 woman in first grade? <laughs> You're stronger, all the men in the elementary school either. Okay. But I was taller than all my teachers except that one at that point. I got taller than her, but, you know? And my father taught me, he says, you ever disobey your mother or disrespect her or be rude to her, and I'll beat you. And then he looked up at me and said, and I don't care how big you are, you'll go to sleep sometime. So he also taught me the need to obey. World War II Marine. There is a chain of command. A lowly birth, a lowly life, a lowly death. Now, honor to follow humility. Wherefore, God also hath, one, highly exalted him. Two, given him a name which is above what? Given him universal dominion, that at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee should bow over things in heaven, over things in earth, over things under the earth. And that every name should confess that Jesus Christ is what? He's absolute Lord to the glory of God the Father. Seven steps to glory. As believers, you know what the world needs to see? They need to see him. So it shouldn't be about me. Please stand.
Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God spoke in your heart this morning. You willing to come to the altar? Have you read God's sign unto you? Are you willing to humble yourself unto him for salvation? Because there's no other one. There's no other way. If you could earn it, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. Believer, ask yourself, have you let your pride or your feelings about you not deserving to be treated a certain way this week interfered with you telling others about your Savior? Maybe you need to come to the altar. Because Christmas brought a humble birth that brought on a humble life that brought on a humble death that led to him being the one the only one that a believer should bow before. God speak in your heart, you come. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word and pray you just finish this invitation in your way, in the hearts of these people here and help us never lose sight, Father, of who we are to worship and who we are to celebrate. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.